Mysterious-ish. Contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. trying to find my notes notes okay i found it we're good okay so we're just gonna jump right into this because your girl's fucking hungry hell yeah (laughs) and i gotta go feed these cats cats so we are gonna start hopefully this is a sort of shorter one it will be significantly shorter than the west memphis three i promise you (laughs) yeah we switch switch roles i feel like mine was super long (laughs) That's I feel okay. like that's okay. It was super interesting. I like this one. Um, yeah, again, this one's this whole season's just gonna be odd with the I like this one, whatever. Okay, so we are gonna start right in the middle of this tale, and then I'm gonna take you back and give you the full story, okay? Okay. Uh, this story gets a big old trigger warning for sexual assault. So on April 15th, 1995. 25-year-old Jennifer Mori returned to her apartment from a night out with her friends. She locks the door behind her and goes through her normal bedtime routine and then falls asleep rather quickly once she gets into bed. All of a sudden, she is awoken by a weight holding her down to her bed and someone trying to rip her underwear off. Someone had gotten in her room and was attempting to rape her. She fought and screamed loudly, trying to get her assailant off of her and awaken her neighbors. Mind you, she lives in an apartment building, so her screaming is probably waking them up. Um, In the midst of her fighting, her assailant stabbed her on the right side of her face. This did not stop her fighting, though, um, so the attacker retaliated and used his knife to slit her throat. Ah! Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to preface this whole story with home invasions are uh, the most terrifying thing that could actually happen to me. So this story is terrifying. Mm -hmm. All right. But let's go back to the beginning now and get some background. So Jennifer Morey was 25 years old, working as a lawyer and living in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. But you don't live alone, so it's okay. She had chosen to live in an apartment at Bayou Park for one reason, the security. The complex featured high perimeter fences, 24-hour security, and even had a 24-hour security guard, like, on the premises at all times. There was always a security guard. It was a literal gated community with a security guard. And fucking cameras and shit. The security company protecting this apartment complex was called Pinkerton Security. Jennifer felt that she would be safe living in this apartment complex all by herself. What? Didn't we just talk about a Pinkerton? We sure did, and I just didn't say anything. Wow! <laughs> Sorry. I didn't say anything because I had interrupted you like 2,000 times last, last episode. So sorry. <laughs> so um, she never would have thought it possible to be attacked in her very, very safe apartment complex. 
So imagine her horror when she awoke to find a knife pressed against her neck. Now, we're recapping what I told you in the beginning. Jennifer tried to fight off her attacker. She got stabbed in the right side of the face and eventually had her throat slit. She screamed at her attacker not to hurt her. She begged him. Um, Her screams were so loud that they woke up a dozen or so neighbors, uh, none of whom called the police. If you see or hear something, say something. No one is going to fault you for being too cautious. And you could literally save someone's life. So, like, don't be like, don't gaslight yourself into thinking that everything's fine. Like, if you think something's wrong, just trust your gut because... Oftentimes, your gut is correct. So, um, anyways, uh, Jennifer is screaming and fighting for her life. She's bleeding from her face and her throat. So, there's, like, a ton of blood because head injuries and obviously your throat are going to bleed a fuck ton. Right. So, the attacker dragged her, dragged Jennifer across her bedroom and into the bathroom um, where he left her to retrieve Presumably his knife from the bedroom where he had left it. The bathroom door did not have a lock on it. So Jennifer sat on the floor and put her feet on the bathtub so that she could use her feet or use her leg strength to keep her attacker out. She grabbed some toilet paper and held it to her neck to stop stop the bleeding. I'm not sure if she like grabbed the whole roll or if she just like tore some off and held it to her neck. But that's smart thinking. Instead of attempting to get into the bathroom, the man wandered around her apartment just moving things. Um, Jennifer heard him wandering around and she heard him uh, zip his pants up. And then she heard nothing. Silence. So Jennifer was now faced with a choice. She could either sit in her bathroom and hope help would come, running the risk of, you know, bleeding out on her bathroom floor, Or she could leave her safe haven and call for help, risking being recaptured by her attacker. She didn't know, like, if this man had actually left her apartment or if he was, like, hiding and waiting for her to think that the coast was clear and to come out. So she did, um, she did choose to leave the bathroom and to try to get her own help. Um, so she... (laughs) Because she had wedged herself between the the door and the bathtub so tightly, the door would not open. On top of that, her hands were soaked in blood, making it that much more difficult to turn the doorknob. She literally thought that she had survived this man's attack only to bleed to death in her bathroom because she couldn't turn the doorknob and get out. God. So, um... And the door, like, the bathroom, there's no lock on the door. So mm-hmm. she just, like, couldn't open this door because it was jammed. So she uh, was eventually able to unjam the door, thank God. And um, she switched the hallway light on, but the power lines had been cut. She crawled to her landline phone, but the cord had been cut. And uh, remember that this is 1995, so cell phones are not super common at this time. Right. But... Jennifer was really lucky to have been working at a law firm in that moment. Her employer had provided her an early version of a cell phone so that she would be able to be available at all times. So she was like constantly on call. Once she finally found it and called 911, a dispatcher named Richard Everett answered. Here's how the phone call went. Jennifer, 
Please help me. This guy just tried to cut my throat. Dispatch. Ma'am? There's blood everywhere. I'm covered in blood. He knew my name. I don't know who it was. I know I locked the door. I don't know how he got in the apartment. Okay, ma'am. Try and calm down a little bit. Why would anybody do something like this? I don't know. We have some crazy people in this world, but I want you to stay on the line. What's your name? My name is Richard. I'm sorry. I'm calming down. There you go. You're doing fine. You're doing... Right now, you're doing fine. And then... About 10 minutes into this 911 call, Jennifer tells Richard that someone is knocking on the door. She thinks it's the police, but Richard tells her that the police are not there yet. He tells her not to open the door. She begins speaking to the person on the other side of the door. And he tells Jennifer that he is security and that he is there to help. Jennifer tells Richard this, and Richard just has a bad feeling about this. He insists that Jennifer not open the door until police arrive. He told her, Jennifer, if you don't know who this is on the other side, do not open the door. This gut feeling that Richard had ended up saving Jennifer's life. Her attacker had been the man on the other side of that door. Mm -hmm. Just a few minutes later, the police showed up. And as soon as Jennifer opened the door, she collapsed to the floor. She was taken to the hospital where she was told that her eye could be saved and that her jugular was her jugular. So like the main vein in her fucking neck was millimeters from being slashed. And the police and the detectives told her that she put up one hell of a fight. And so the investigation began Uh, when the police had arrived at the scene that morning. They encountered the 26 year old Pinkerton security guard, Brian Gibson. He had a cut on his right hand that was still bleeding. And he told police that he was attacked by Jennifer's attacker after he, after the attacker jumped from Jennifer's second floor apartment balcony. (laughs) Gibson told police he fought with the man who then ran to a nearby field. Do you remember that there's a fence around the whole perimeter of the apartment complex? Uh Uh-huh. So what, he just... Jumped it. Just. He just ran. Security guard, you just outed yourself. Sir! (laughs) So, upon further investigation, and by that, I mean the police literally looked at the grass where the intruder had jumped and ran (laughs) from, and they discovered absolutely no disturbances in the fucking grass. When they searched Jennifer's apartment, they found a knife, men's underwear covered in blood, and a a hat that belonged to none other than a fucking Pinkerton security guard. (gasps) When they searched Brian Gibson, he did not have his uniform hat, and he was coincidentally going commando. Oh, weird. (laughs) He's a fucking dumbass. (laughs) So, this boy fucking did it. For sure, he's like, right, thousand percent, he's guilty. Mm-hmm. Yes, in fact, it was security at the door when Jennifer was on the phone with 911. But it was also security that attacked her. Brian Gibson was convicted of attempted murder and sentenced to 20 years in prison. But let's get some background on this fucker before we talk about how fucking badass Jennifer is. Because right. this girl's a badass. 
So Brian Gibson had worked at uh, Pinkerton Security for about three years and he had had multiple complaints during that time. He was removed from two separate assignments for arguing with clients and removed from a whole other assignment for stealing a client's vehicle. Fucking, what the, sir, stop. (laughs) So Pinkerton just moved him to guard an apartment complex where many young women lived alone. Um, They should have just fired him instead. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I just exited out of my notes. Son of a bitch. Okay. So back to Jennifer. She fucking survived. She literally had her throat slit and she survived. She is amazing. Uh, She filed a lawsuit against the security company Pinkerton. And it was discovered that between 1991 and 1995, Pinkerton had or previously had Approximately 130 people employed who were convicted felons. What? Yeah. (gasps) I'm sorry, but there are just certain jobs that felons, regardless of your your charge, should not be able to have. Mm -hmm. Security guard is one of them. If you would not let this man, this person... Guard the fucking president of the United States, then they should also not be guarding women or Mm -hmm. children or the elderly or anyone, anyone. They should not. If you can't trust them to guard the fucking president, then they can't be trusted to guard anyone. Facts. Period. Like, come on. So um, Jennifer won this lawsuit, obviously, and Pinkerton paid her an undisclosed amount of money. So, two weeks after her attack, Jennifer made a full recovery and moved out of her Bayou Park apartment. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> she used her settlement money from the from suing Pinkerton uh, to open her own law firm practice. Um, she met a man whom she later married, and Richard Everett, the 911 dispatch operator, the man who saved her life, attended her wedding and danced with jennifer god i know they're still good friends that's cute i know it's so cute i love that so all this is not to say that jennifer didn't struggle with terrible anxiety and fear afterwards uh she said she would often walk through her house at night waiting to sleep until the morning uh she also frequently called the police when she heard noises and uh i mean she suffered something that, like, I could not fathom enduring. And she survived. Mm-hmm. She lived, cliche, she lived to tell the tale. Right. So, um, and she's fucking thriving now. Like, look at her. She has her own law firm. Like, she's married and she's friends with her, the man who saved her life. Like, hell yeah, brother. It's fucking, brother, it's fucking <laughs> crazy. So, um, you can actually hear Jennifer's story straight from her mouth on the show, I Survived. Um, it is season one, episode 11, and I Survived is on Hulu, in case you were wondering. (laughs) But yeah, that's the wild story of Jennifer Morey being attacked by her fucking security guard, who is a literal piece of garbage. And, um, yeah, I hope that Pinkerton is either not... I hope that they are either defunct and no longer 
um in business in business there we go (laughs) or i hope that they have stopped hiring felons like vet your fucking employees yeah you have to especially if you're an employee company employee (laughs) especially if you're a security company like come on yeah i agree (sighs) yeah that was a really short story i'm so sorry guys (laughs) turn into me oof well anyways i hope you guys still liked that story i'm glad that i wanted to tell one especially after um west memphis three i wanted to tell one that's um not necessarily lighter but one that's like that has a happy ending you know yeah she lived and the guy who did it is in jail and well actually he's probably not in jail anymore since it's 2022 so he probably is out i guess i probably should have done some research about that yeah that's all i got for you so we will catch you guys next week lol i turned my mouth off (laughs) All right. Bye. Mm, Goodbye forever. Thank you for listening to Mysterious-ish. All episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast directory. Follow us on social media at Mysterious-ish pod. If you have topic suggestions, questions, or stories to share, you can email us at mysteriousishpod at gmail.com or visit our website at mysteriousishpod.com. Make sure to come back next week for another discussion about the mysteries of the universe.